So let's get into it. Today is Wednesday. It's Feminist Theory from Margin to Center by Bell Hooks. You know, she starts chapter one by talking about how black women shape feminist theory. If anybody's familiar with feminism, they know about Betty Friedan's The Feminine Mystique and how it's still kind of heralded as having paved the way for contemporary feminist movement. Um, I said, and they quote Friedan's famous phrase, the problem that has no name. And it talked about this plight of a select group of like college educated, middle and upper class, married white women, housewives bored with leisure, with home, with children, with buying more products who wanted more out of life. And Frieden concludes her first chapter by saying, we can no longer ignore that voice within women that says, I want something more than my husband and my children and my house. Mm -hmm. That more she defined as careers. She did not discuss who would be called in to take care of the children and maintain the home if more women like herself were freed from their house labor. And given equal access with white men to the professions, she did not speak of the needs of women without men, without children, without homes. She ignored the existence of all non-white women and poor white women. She did not tell readers whether it was more fulfilling to be a maid, a babysitter, a factory worker, a clerk, or a prostitute than to be a leisure class housewife. She made her plight and the plight of white women like herself synonymous with the condition of affecting all American women. In doing so, she deflected attention away from her classism, her racism, her sexist attitudes toward the masses of American women. And in the context of her book, Freedom makes clear that the woman... The women she saw as victimized by sexism were college-educated white women who were compelled by sexist conditioning to remain in the home. And we definitely need to talk about that because I know that in a lot of feminist spaces, still to this day, black and brown women do not feel safe in them because white women will like kind of take control of the whole group and talk about how things affect them and think that their lived, perspe their lived perspective is everybody's which we know it's not. You have to talk about the classism. You have to talk about the racism. That's that intersectionality that you have to discuss. And it's so odd because like we've read quite a few feminist books in our homeschool and my little kids, and I know somebody's going to think I'm programming them, but if they actually knew what homeschooling was about, it's that you read everything to them and let them form their own opinions. I don't hide things from them. I just recently saw, this is off the subject, but I saw a homeschool, like it was a cute little funny, like music video somebody did about what they do with their homeschool kids and one of the song lyrics was um we visit the museum of creation and i know that's a big thing with some some homeschoolers that you know creationism you know god made us and there's no talk of evolution i mean i kind of think that's a disservice i get that they're probably home educating because they want to use their religious views to raise their kids up and it seems odd to me that nobody ever calls out conservative people raising their kids with these religious views you know that can definitely be harmful when you're you keep perpetuating those antiquated gendered stereotypes nobody usually calls out the conservative homeschoolers but i can tell you i myself have been called out for being too liberal by reading feminist books to my kids for talking about sex and masturbation and consent with my kids but what i think is funny is that the more open i am with my kids they kind of see they're like oh you know, they look at through history and they're like, oh, okay, you know, like this has been happening to people for so long. And even with women getting the right to vote, people love talking about Susan B. Anthony. We just had, we just voted last night. And because I was taught mostly white feminism, I could tell you in my twenties, I'm like, women have to vote. We got the right to vote in 1919. We didn't, not all of us. And my kids know the history. They know it younger than I did. They know that no, white women got the right to vote. Black women were decades behind them. 
And it's just, they're kind of like, wow. So like just knowing history, they're like, yes, black and brown women have historically and presently bared the brunt of all the different issues in society, the classism, the racism, the sexism. So I think that when we talk about feminism, we go through this. That's why it's important. I think that you have to just read feminist books from a black and brown point of view so you can get that point of view. Because if you're white and if you're a man, you're you're only going to get like the white version of it. And you need to be able to recognize that your lived experience is not everybody else's lived experience. And more importantly, you don't get to negate somebody else's lived experience because you haven't lived it. Boy, that's a fucking huge one. That is a huge one. I can't tell you how many, like, especially when the Me Too movement came out, how many dudes were like, well, I don't know. I don't know any women that were abused. And I'm like, statistically, you do. But you are not a safe man for them to talk to about it. Either they see your social media posts, they see the people you admire, and they know deep down that you are not a safe person to talk to about anything like that. So, you know, sit with that. If it makes you uncomfortable, change to be better, I would hope. But women know who, who are the safe men in the room. And they know who they can confide in and who they can trust to believe them. And that's not all of y'all. And I know a similar sentiment in feminist circles with black women saying that they don't trust white women. I don't get offended. I don't get offended. I also realize not all spaces are for me to speak up in. So I stay quiet and I listen and learn. So if we can all just do that and listen to people talk about the struggles they face, learn and not speak over them, not tell them that it's not that big of a deal. Listen and learn and try to do better. Boy, if this world wouldn't be a better place. So I think that like, just that the whole first chapter is about how black women have paved the way for feminism and how black people have historically and presently been the ones that have suffered the most. And it's kind of like, you know, that show that everybody seems to love, but I don't watch it because I read the book, The Handmaid's Tale. Um, the funny thing is Margaret Mead. Oh my God, did I say Margaret Mead. It's not Margaret Mead, Margaret Atwood. Margaret Mead's the lady that did all the really cool uh, going island to island and like kind of like sociology and was examining tribes. We read about her, so forgive me for the blunder. But Margaret Atwood, um, she basically said when she wrote that book that she wasn't writing anything new. She was writing things that have already happened. And I feel like white women in the recent few years since Trump's been elected were more vocal about, you know, oh my God, this could be us. We could be handmaids. And the funny thing is, it's like they totally disregard that we've already experienced that history in this country where black and brown women were absolutely trafficked and raped and tortured and beat and forced to bear children. And it's like, we just forget that it's so long ago and what it could happen to us now. And that's where the panic comes in. So I, I urge everybody to read the book that I'm reading passages out to you, but I think it's something that we have to first grapple with and be uncomfortable, be uncomfortable that maybe we weren't taught this as kids. And so we kind of come to feminism from a white perspective and that the things we struggle with, you know, that whole, you know, I want a career. And from what I've been reading historically, black women have always been working when they were enslaved and when they weren't. They have always been working to support their family, whereas white women, it was kind of like just a more recent thing where they worked outside the home. And it's kind of it's just a little sobering when you think about that. And it's not one of those things where you're supposed to feel necessarily bad, but it's just be aware of it when you're in circles and educate people on it. 
And I really do feel if we raise people with a feminist mindset that the world would be a better place. I mean, you look at different countries that are ruled by the patriarchy versus the matriarchy. And it's just something historically, again, we've seen. And currently where, you know, patriarchy kind of leads by ruling. There's a lot more classism involved. It's, you know, I'm better than you kind of mentality. And not everybody gets the same rights. Whereas like matriarchal rule tends to want everybody to be successful and happy and everybody to have the same things because you're stronger as a nation versus this hierarchy bullshit that we keep seeing historically and currently play out under a patriarchal rule. So yeah, there's just some things to think about today with feminist theory. It's, um, it's good to be uncomfortable because I feel like when you're uncomfortable, you have to sit and think and grow and learn. So that's just my thoughts today. And I know we had an election last night and I know some of the results are in, I think all of them are in by now. Um, last time I looked was three in the morning cause I couldn't sleep. And you know, it's, it's, some people are rightfully frightened when they see results because they worry what else is going to be taken from me. Like I had the right to have an abortion in the state, you know, years back if I was raped or if I just needed to, because I physically can't handle another pregnancy. And now I live in a state that decided the government gets to tell me, no, if you're raped or, and you know, you, you still have to have this and you're going to have to travel somewhere out of state. I don't know if they're going to down the road, make it so you can't even travel out of state. It's not, you know, it's not something that's wild. You know, they do this in other places. They start small and they go bigger till you're under some theocracy dictatorship and it's happened. You know, it's not like this is people being upset because their person didn't win. It's, oh my God, this person won. So now what rights are going to be taken away? How much, how many of our liberties are going to be taken away from us while there's this ruling class that enjoys everything, but these people don't. And at least usually a civil war, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, just something that people are allowed to feel how they feel about it. So definitely self-care, big thing today. Um, I'm actually having therapy before I go to work, which is always good for me because there's like this meme I saw recently where it says I have a lot of mental health issues for somebody who takes care of people with mental health issues. But I think that that's good that I do, you know, I think when you are actually working on improving yourself, you're able to handle other people out there. And at least the people I take care of are trying to work on themselves usually. So that's my hope today. Do something self-care like, oh, I've got a whole bunch of books at the library. If you go to our local libraries, they have a whole section with um, H-Y-G-G-E. I always stumble over this word because it's a Danish word. It's a Huga, Huga, if I say it right. I want to say hag because of the way it's spelled, but I know it's not. But um, it's all about comfort. And we're going into those darker days. We're going into, you know, the late fall and winter. And people do get seasonal affect disorder. So anything you can do for comfort, we'll talk about those two every day. I mean, your, your hot chocolates, your cider, your foo-foo coffee drinks. If you want whipped cream and caramel drizzle, do it. Um, cozy blankets, warm socks, PJs. I kind of missed, like, well, I guess I missed the idea of maybe long ago, not how shitty and backwards the society was, but the part where like people would farm and then gather all their crops in the fall. And then they hunkered down for the w the winter. And I know food was scarce and people probably were starving and they were trying to like hunt game, but I guess it's that hunkering down that in our capitalistic society, we don't do anymore, but living in a place that has weather like this, we get a little bit more of a reprieve where we can hunker down like, Oh my God, we're snowed in and I can't get to work. Here's my one day, you know, that I can maybe just chill. 
granted, businesses run 24-7, you know, at a lot of them, especially healthcare. So it's like somebody's got to be there to pick up the slack if you can't come in. I get that. But I'm just saying we all need to take a day to ourselves. I've actually instituted one day a week. I don't do shit on Sundays anymore. I don't. Um, I have a job that well, I've got a couple jobs, but PRN that I don't have to work a Sunday if I don't want to. And my husband tends to not work weekends. He's a Monday through Friday person. Once at a blue moon, he'll work a Sunday if he wants a day off during the week or he'll work a Saturday. But most of the time it's a Saturday. So now I pick Sundays as my day to do not a damn thing. So I encourage you all to find a day where you're not running around doing shit and doing laundry and prepping for the next day and just do nothing. Rediscover hobbies. Pretend it's COVID all over again and you're like at home for whatever reason and you're putting puzzles together or learning to play the guitar. Learning a new language. I'm on Duolingo, like 20-some day streak of learning Spanish. I'm fucking terrible, but I can say, um, yo soy una mujer. I think that means I am a woman. Little bits. It's coming along. I've got a couple friends I send some bad Spanish to an in instant messenger. I'm sure they love it. Tripping over words. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just do something to learn and grow and take care of yourselves. So once I get through chapter two here next week, Feminism, a movement to end sexist depression. We can kind of pick up some paragraphs through that that are interesting to talk about. And some of you are like, I don't want to hear any of this. And that's cool. You don't have to. I mean, my kids are always interested in learning about anything and everything. So, and I'm, if you're a guy, you really fucking need to, and a woman too. I'm, I'm, all of you should watch that damn The Mask We Live In. It's on YouTube. It's like an hour and a half, I think, documentary, The Mask We Live In. I've mentioned it before. Um, I had my sons watch it and yeah, there's a lot, I mean, depending on the ages of your children, they talk about prostitution, they talk about sex, they talk about a lot of things you might be uncomfortable with your kids, but it's all about how men are raised in our society to what a man is and how you, y'all are boxed in, y'all are boxed in and fucking, I feel sad that you can't like hug your guy friend. I'm, some of you, maybe you're breaking that traumatic and toxic cycle and I'm so proud if you are. But like I can go to one of my girlfriends and she could just hug me and play with my hair and I could just sit there and tell her my problems and we'd laugh, we can cry. It's a closeness that I have with girlfriends that I feel like a lot of men don't and they tend to use their partner as their therapist. They lay their head on their wife's chest while she plays with their hair and that's, and that's why I feel, and this is statistics, look it up, when women die, when they're elderly, men seem to die like not too far after, whereas the men die first, the women will live long, long lives because they have that network of helpful people and their social networks to kind of talk through their problems or their grief with. And men just plugged it all into a woman. That's it. Just his partner, straight men, I should say, because that's all I can speak on of knowing and being around mostly. But, uh, I don't know if it's the same in the gay community. I don't know. I, I don't know if it is something that's across all different areas with men. I just urge them to get therapists. I urge them to try to like break down those barriers with their friends and be like, why can't we hug each other? Why can't we, you know, it's just the way that they look at masculinity and perceiving anything slightly feminine as weak or gay or some kind of like negative thing to their minds. I feel like they lose out so much. You can show anger and you can show happiness. Otherwise you're weak. And I'm trying so hard to teach my boys, but I got to tell you as a woman, it's filtered into me too. I have trouble crying in front of people. I have trouble showing weakness, but mine is like a trauma response because I don't trust that people are going to meet my needs, so I handle it on my own. So I don't know if every man has that say, you know, if it's part trauma response or it's just how they were raised, but it's something that you should watch, The Mask We Live In. I urge all of you 
to watch it with your partners, watch it with your children and have discussions about it. Is this how they're seeing the world? What can we do to change that? So take care of yourselves.